Welcome to a special episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, I am in conversation with the artistic director of J2 Spotlight Musical Theater Company, our old friend here at Broadway Radio, Robert W. Schneider. J2 is currently in its second season of doing musicals off-Broadway at Theater Row, and they do things slightly differently than a lot of other off-Broadway companies do. They look to find shows that don't often get the love that many classics from generations gone by do, and they look to bring them to the forefront of New York theatergoers' minds. They also have an interesting approach to casting. Their goal is to introduce audiences to emerging artists within the New York theater community. Already this season, they have had a production of a class act. Currently through Sunday, March 6th, they have a production of A Day in Hollywood, A Night in the Ukraine. And then running from March 10th through the 20th, they will have a production of Stephen Schwartz's The Baker's Wife. Now, chances are pretty good that if you are listening to Broadway Radio, you also listen to at least one podcast hosted by Rob his dulcet tones first came to the ear holes of theater lovers through the Behind the Curtain podcast, one of the best theater podcasts in recent memory. He now also hosts numerous other podcasts, including Gay Card Revoked with our good friend Robbie Rizell, This Was a Thing, and more. We will have details on how you can get tickets to both A Day in Hollywood, A Night in the Ukraine, and The Baker's Wife from J2 Spotlight, as well as Rob's social media and podcast information, in the show notes and in the article version of this episode at broadwayradio.com. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Robert W. Schneider. All right, Rob, it is my pleasure to welcome you back to Broadway Radio. I think this is such a cool story about J2 Spotlight Musical Theater because I think for a lot of our listeners, they know you as a very prolific and insightful podcaster, but there is this whole other life to you as an artistic director and as a director. So congratulations on the company. But for those folks who don't know about J2 Spotlight Musical Theater, what is your focus and mission statement with this company? Matt, well, first of all, thanks so much for calling me prolific when it comes to podcasting. That just I mean, that just made my day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I couldn't even name all of the podcasts that you do with <laughs> with like incredibly talented other people and good friends of ours, mutual good friends. So Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm so lucky. Um, so yeah, so that's like one hat I wear. And then the other hat that I'm wearing is I'm the artistic director of this new company. It's called the J2 Spotlight Musical Theater Company. And the goal that myself and our executive producer, Jim Jamiro, have is to take shows that we feel are gems in the musical theater canon that just don't get the recognition they deserve and demand a revisit from contemporary audiences. And while we're doing that at the same time, we're also introducing New York audiences to new and emerging talent that live in the New York City area. Um, as a college professor, one of the things that always made me so sad was we had so many students that would move to New York, make New York their home, and then not perform in New York. They would go perform in Seattle and San Francisco and Orlando. And so we wanted to create a space where people could actually perform in their own backyard and share their gifts with their neighbors. Yeah, and uh, despite the fact that I am an Ohio State graduate, I know you have taught Uh-oh. or you, yeah, uh, at the same place that James Marino went to school at, at Penn State. So I yes, won't hold that against are. you. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not answering that. How um, dare you? <laughs> I mean, it's better than 
Michigan. There are so many musical theater people from Michigan yeah. that we can absolutely agree on that. At, yeah. le- at least it's not Michigan. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. We're in alignment. Yes. Very good. So, um, you so this this company you it started just at the beginning before the pandemic. You did seesaw and no strings before yeah. everything shut down. What was it like to kind of navigate? getting yourselves back up and running after a great start, but one that where you had to kind of lose all of that momentum as much of the theater industry did for two years and then get back up with a three season series, uh, three season, let me say that again, three show season back here in 2022 that started uh, earlier in February with a class act. We, you know, I'm so happy that you brought that up. We were really lucky because in our first season, we had a lot of wonderful audience members come and take a chance on our company. And they were the ones who were really keeping the word out there and keeping the momentum going in the two years that were off because they were consistently asking us, you know, when are you coming back? What's the plan? Dot, 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 et cetera, et cetera. So for us, we felt like even though we were not physically producing any shows, people still wanted to have the shows being presented. And that was very inspirational towards us and pushing us forward. Um, And so then when we decided that we would come back after two years, we really wanted to start off with a bang. Um, And so that's why we're doing these three shows, uh, two of which this is their first New York City revival. Uh, And yeah, uh, Class Act and Day in Hollywood Night in Ukraine have not been done at all in New York since they were on Broadway. So that is a pretty good, you know, bang for us. And then, of course, to have Mr. Schwartz involved on The Baker's Wife is also a pretty special thing for us as well. So we figured that after those two years when we were going to come back, we really wanted to start off with something special and knock wood. These three shows have been doing that so far. Yeah, as we are speaking, you just had your first public performance of A Day in Hollywood, A Night in the Ukraine last night. Is that yes. correct? Am I getting the dates right? Yep. That is correct. Last night was opening. Yeah, and um, all of the performances are happening at Theater Row, which is a great space for shows yes. like this. So uh, the, the, this show runs through um, March 6th. For those people who don't know the show, I've seen a production of this show down here in Florida, and I absolutely adore it. It is so much fun. Tell folks about this show before we get into the bulk of what I want to talk about, The Baker's Wife. Oh, of course. So A Day in Hollywood, Night in the Ukraine is this really fascinating show. It emerged out of England in the late 1970s. Um, and there was a gentleman by the name of Dick Vosberg. And Dick Vosberg was a huge Marx Brothers fan and was always hoping that there would be like some unearthed Marx Brothers movie somewhere that he had not seen yet and then decided, well, I'll just write my own. And so he wrote a play, which is literally a movie that the Marx Brothers never made, but they could have made called A Night in the Ukraine. And then it was so successful in London, they were like, let's do it on the West End, but we can't just do one act. This was before like one act shows were really popular. So they were like, let's write uh, a first act for the show that's a celebration of 1930s Hollywood, which is the decade that the Marx Brothers was the most successful in. So it's literally two separate shows that are just connected by one evening. Uh, and it was on Broadway in 1980. It was directed and choreographed by Tommy Toon. And it was a huge hit. It ran for like three years. And then I think as time has gone on and the Marx Brothers have sort of receded in the minds of younger people and like 1930s you know, movies have also receded in the minds of younger people, the show just sort of went away. And so we felt when we were looking at our season for season two, let's find a show like A Day in Hollywood Night in the Ukraine that was once really popular, but has sort of you know, faded into the background. And we're happy that we did it because the response on the show so far has been really enthusiastic. Great. Because Yeah, and it's one of those shows where it's just a laugh a minute. 
Uh, and a laugh a minute might yeah. be too much time. It's more like a laugh a second. Well, you saw it in Florida. I've seen it. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. It's, I mean, it's really so pitch perfect as to what it's trying to do that it, yes. you, you can't imagine why it has fallen out of favor, especially with smaller companies, regional companies. Like you would think this would be something with a small cast that would be done yeah. all over the place. And it was one of those shows where I was, when I started to do research, I'm, like, I'm sure the York has done it or maybe Encores had done it yeah. at some point. And no, nobody's done it. So we're really excited to be bringing it back. And the really cool thing is, is we've had a lot of audience members last night. This has been their first show back since the pandemic. Oh, great. And so to have them come back and just go, oh my gosh, it just blew the dust off my soul. It just had me laughing and it just put a smile on my face. That's exactly what we were aiming for with this production. And I think we've succeeded. Yeah, absolutely. And for people who don't know, this is the show that Priscilla Lopez won a Tony Award for, not a chorus line, but a day in yes. Hollywood, a night in Ukraine. Yes, I used to get that question wrong in trivia all the time because I was like, oh, of course she won for a chorus line. No, it's for playing Harpo Marx. And, and uh, <laughs> she, she won, actually, she won a Tony Award for a musical where she never really sang a note in the second act. So good yeah. for her. That's pretty if, talented. Well, and then there's no doubt that she is one of the most talented and coming back to Broadway here very oh, soon in uh, a skin of her teeth. But so, um, yeah, one of the best. So I, I want to talk about um, a baker's wife or the baker's wife, because one, I'm going to get to see it. So I'm very excited Yay. about that when I'm going to be in town. But this is one of those shows you mentioned it has had a little bit, you know, occasional revivals here and there. But with kind of the. I don't know, ubiquity of Stephen Schwartz content yeah. in our world, whether it's Wicked or Godspell being done everywhere or his animated work. Like you would think that a show like this that has one of, if not the biggest signature songs, you know, aside from maybe Defying Gravity, like yeah. you would think that this thing would be a lot more part of the public consciousness. But other than Meadowlark, I don't know that a ton of people actually know that this show exists. That's correct. And that was one of the things that we wanted to do in our second season, which was we wanted to find a show that was supposed to come to Broadway at some point, but never did. Mm -hmm. And so while we were looking at the list of possible shows, this is the one that kept coming back to us because it is such a gorgeous score. And I think you're right. I think because it did never it never played Broadway. And I know a lot of regional theaters love to say, you know, hey, it was on Broadway or direct from Broadway. Nobody wanted to touch it. And I think because the show had such a tumultuous out-of-town tryout, people assumed that meant the show wasn't good. That's not the case at all. It's a very beautiful show. And in my opinion, belongs right up there with things like Wicked and Pippin and Godspell. So for folks who don't know much about this this story, other than maybe what they can piece together from Meadowlark, it's actually based on a in late 1930s French film uh, and had some other big names other than Patti Lapone, who eventually came in, uh, you know, to be a part of it. You know, Topol was in it. Carol DeMoss from the original Grease was yes. in it. Paul Servino. Like, this is a show that had some names attached with it. For folks who don't know the story, what is just the the element elevator pitch about what the plot is for the baker's wife uh it's a love triangle between uh an, an old man who's married to a much younger woman and a young man comes along and steals her away from him uh, he's the town baker and he becomes so depressed that his wife has abandoned him that he decides to stop baking and oh, so no. the town desperate for bread they're 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 bread addicts like i am uh, you know, a carb addict, they decide that they will band together to get the wife and the husband reunited so they can keep having their daily bread. 
And if anybody has watched the opening number from Beauty and the Beast, you know how important the baguettes are (laughs) to small French towns. So um, the fact that she's not named Marie makes me makes me so angry. But that's okay. Maybe maybe Mr. Schwartz will change that for us. I know the baguettes. You mentioned we are talking just a few minutes after rehearsal ended. And it was, I I guess, one of your read throughs. And Stephen Schwartz was actually there. So he is, if not necessarily actively involved, but he's a part of what's going on with this show oh. and, and bringing it back. You know, I, I would say he is actively involved. Is God he bless him. He, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, he, uh, he had casting approval. He has oh, wow. orchestration approval. Uh, he just gave us some cuts. We literally just implemented cuts that he asked for. He's just given us new lines. So he's, uh, he's been fantastic. Yeah. The, one of the things that I really love about him specifically is he treats all of his shows equally regardless of the success that they have. So making sure there's a great production of The Baker's Wife to him is no different than making sure there's a great production of Wicked, which is a really special thing when you're working with a writer of that caliber. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned the fact that Mr. Schwartz had casting approval. And obviously, one of the things that you said was an impetus behind creating this this company is to give up-and-coming or unknown performers an opportunity to do some great shows in New York. So talk about not only the casting process about who you're looking for and the types of people that you want to cast in all of your shows, but about this specific group that is going to be doing uh, the Baker's wife. Sure. One of the things that we look for is like I had mentioned before, you know, people that we think are incredibly talented that have just not had their shot yet that have just not gotten onto the, you know, the lips of New York theater goers the same way so many other people do. It would be very easy for us to, you know, find a star for these shows and say, you know, here's a ton of money, come do it for us for a couple of weeks. But there's really no company in New York right now that's doing what we're doing. And we feel like that's a really important service. So that's the type of people that we're looking for. What's really cool, though, about this production, because The Baker's Wife is about people that are on the older side of things, a lot of the individuals that we do have in the production are established names within the New York theater community. They're just not necessarily known to the general public at large. And we still think that, that fits along with our mission. Um, we have a wonderful young lady named Madison Claire Parks, uh, who's playing the lead of Jean Biev. She's mm-hmm. an incredible actress. Uh, and her grandmother was Betty Garrett. If you remember Betty oh, Garrett, the name. MGM. Yeah. Yeah. So that was her mom. That's her grandma. So that she's got that like old Hollywood history inside of her. Uh, A lovely young gentleman by the name of Bruce Landry, who just was on the Anastasia tour, is playing the young gentleman. And then a a brilliant actor named Howard Pishnak is playing uh, Amabla, the baker, the Paul Servino role. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like I said, all three of these actors are really incredible. They're not household names, but we think that they deserve a shot of being above the title. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's, I mean, really, without throwing shade at a company that I'm sure you have tons of respect for. So if they get mad, I am the one saying this. Um, But really, this is, you know, especially from the types of shows that you're doing, if not the casting, this is, you know, a lot of the same ethos as what Encores says they do, despite the fact that we are having a star studded into the woods here coming up, which I'm very excited yes. about. I'm not yes. mad about that. No, but- oh, of course. Are you kidding? No, listen, I always say the same thing, which is people, you know, people say, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's you and Encores are in competition. And I'm like, I don't really see it as a competition because, you know, we're all musical theater geeks. The fact that somebody is doing Hollywood Ukraine and someone is doing the tap dance kid, like who cares who's doing them as long as they're being done. 
Um, yeah. What makes us, well, honestly, though, what makes us different from Encores, besides the fact we don't have millions and millions of dollars, and <laughs> it's like $5 and a, and a shoestring and a dream over here, yeah. is the fact that, like, th- if they were doing The Baker's Wife, you know it would be like, okay, we'll see if, like, Nathan Lane's available or yeah. John Chitora's available. Yeah, Jesse Mueller. Will come yeah. In. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of like, that's awesome. But let's introduce new names to the community. Our hope is that maybe like in five or 10 years, the people that are starring in shows with us will be the ones starring in shows at Encores or being the ones that have their names above the title on Broadway marquees. And then you can turn around and go, oh my gosh, Maddie Parks. I remember seeing her as the baker's wife at J2. That's what we want to do. And we're, I mean, everyone's like, when are you going to get this person or when are you going to expand? And it's like, no, that's not what we do. Like we could, we don't want to. What, there's already companies that are doing this. Why Why do we need to do the same exact thing? Well, and there's, I mean, obviously everybody understands that there is far more to New York theater beyond what happens in that little yes. part of Midtown called Broadway. And there's so much great work being done that, but you do have to kind of separate yourself. You have to have a vision and a focus and stick to it to kind of differentiate yourself from everybody else that's trying to, you know, for all intents and purposes, compete for a lot of the same butts in seats. And and this seems like such a brilliant way to appeal to a specific group of oh, theater goers. Who, thank you. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, you know, we love I mean, here's the thing. We love these shows. And even yeah. if you even if you see The Baker's Wife and you're like, oh, I really loved it or oh, I really hated it. At least you got to see it. You know, that's the point of what we're trying to do. You know, if you love like Citizen Kane and I've never seen it, you can hand me a DVD. If, you know, if you, if I love the Mona Lisa and you've never seen it, I can show you the Mona Lisa. Musicals are different because if you're just listening to it, you get half the story. And if you just read it, you get half the story. So you have to see the whole thing up on its feet for people to go, oh, I see why this was successful or I see why this wasn't successful. Absolutely. There there are so many times that I've gone to see shows just because I knew that that there wasn't a very good chance that I could see it anytime soon. I was going to take a trip up to Atlanta in March to see a production of Raisin. Um, unfortunately, oh, amazing. It, yeah, they, it was at Kenny Leon's theater at True Colors, but they postponed it because of, you know, gestures wildly at the world. Um, so I, I'm oh, hoping yeah. to see that again. But you're so right. Shows like a class act in uh, Hollywood, Ukraine and Baker's Wife, like you don't get to see these very often. And even if you're like, ah, I don't know if I can make it. If you don't see it now, you don't or you aren't guaranteed to have an opportunity to see it anytime soon. God, no. And that's what we're trying to do. We're like, let's reintroduce these shows to people. And yes, there's encores. They do three a year. York, Mufti, uh, because of the flood, I don't think they're doing theirs for a yeah. while. So, I mean, that I mean, we need to see these shows back out in public. We need to make sure that these stories are continuing to get told from a historical perspective. Once again, you it's your right to say, oh, I like it. I don't like it. But at least we're giving you the opportunity to say to look at the, like look at the evidence. Here's what we got for you. What do you think? And you're right. I don't know when you're going to see another production of A Day in Hollywood. I don't know when you're going to see another production of A Class Act. So yeah, same with Tap Dance Kit, same with The Life Over at Encores. Into the Woods, I feel like you're probably pretty good at, at getting you know, a, a production of that yeah, thing. I, you know, here's the, here's the thing. And I, this is just my opinion on it. I, when I saw they were doing Into the Woods, I was like, oh, are you kidding me? But then also the money that they're going to make on Into the Woods is going to fund 
the tap dance kid in the locker. One hundred percent, and and off center as well. Oh, and off center, and you're like, yeah, okay. So you know, I know people go, I can't believe they're doing Into the Woods. It's like, yeah, but they got to make money so we can see at least the two shows in city center that they're that they wouldn't be able to do otherwise had they not been making that money. Yeah. So yeah. I give the I give them a free pass on that one show a year that they do that makes money. One hundred percent. I'm like, go for it. And yeah. of course, I'm going to go see Into the Woods because I, I desperately want to see. It's, it's Sarah Bareilles is the baker's wife. Is that right? Sarah Bareilles is the baker's oh. wife. Uh, Christian Borle is the baker. And, and for me, it's Heather Headley is the witch. Like yes. that's oh like, like that off the charts. Right. That enough is, is good enough to to warrant that production. But, you know, for anybody who who listened to listens to Behind the Curtain, they know your prowess in terms of. Uh, musical theater history and the knowledge of, you know, the stuff that might not necessarily be at the forefront of a lot of theater goers' minds without giving away what might be coming up in future J2 seasons. Are there any shows that are just, you know, have maybe have been a part of conversations for previous seasons, but just haven't worked out for whatever reason that you are dying to do? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so funny when Jim and I, the, uh, my executive producer, who's by the way, an awesome man, he created the Disney channel. So, so if you, if you love Hannah Montana, you can thank Jim. Um, like we all do. And if you're a parent who doesn't like some of that stuff, you can blame him as well. I guess that's true. You can do both. (laughs) Absolutely. I think he's also the guy that came up with the, cause he also created Walt Disney home video. He might've been the guy that created back in the vault. Oh so God. when you get angry that you can't get Sleeping Beauty, it might also be Jim's fault. I don't know. Uh, don't quote me on yeah. that. Oh boy. Um, but oh my gosh. No, I'm so sorry. Now I got totally off topic talking about no, Disney. No, no. But yes, that's good. So, so when we decided to talk about doing a theater company, I said we should probably put a list together of shows that we'd like to do. So he came in with a list of 100 and I came in with a list of 200. Um, so, so on brand. I, I, so yeah, on brand, right. Rob. So I, I think we have 100 years worth of seasons ready to go. Um, things that are on top of our list that we'd love to do carnival i know is on the top of our list that's one that we would love to hit up at some point i wanted to do raisin uh yeah. but i was but i was told that the rights were unavailable the goodbye girl also the rights are unavailable oh wow um they're playing our song on top of my list rights unavailable sugar might be a show that we're gonna try to do at the same time they're doing the new some like it hot musical yeah so that way people can can compare and contrast i love that. um but we, I mean, to be honest with you, we're very open. So if, if someone is listening and they're like, oh my God, how come they've never, how come we haven't seen a revival of fill in the blank? Hit us up, let us know. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that we would love to do. One of the things that we always run into because we're in New York City is, you know, a lot of writers still don't want to relinquish their rights to shows because they think there might be a bigger commercial revival coming down the pike somewhat soon. So it, it takes us a while, but please hit us up, folks. We would love to hear your ideas. Do you have one, Matt? You have one? Um, oh, man. I, I don't off the top of my head. I will I will just say that the same theater that I saw uh, Hollywood Ukraine at is doing Pump Boys and Dinettes later this year. Oh, so it's I like, love that show. Yeah. So it's like I, I love this little tiny theater in Winter Park, Florida that does – they do a lot of like – you know, Cole Porter reviews as well, but occasionally they'll throw in one or two shows a season like that, where it's like no one else is doing it. So it gets me excited, but I I love that stuff. So I'm up for whatever it is that you, you, uh, you come up with out of your 300 different potential options. I 
I love that. I I think I saw I, I went through Winter Park once on a train, and I was like, this oh, is yeah. the cutest town I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's a very cute town, very kind of like a trendy, oldish money kind of place. So uh, I love it. Yeah, but Pump Boys and Dinettes at the Winter Park Playhouse, May thirteenth, I believe. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see that one. So I love that. But <laughs> I, re- I I really want to do the rink. We haven't done a Candor oh. and Ebb yet, and I would really love to do the rink. Yeah. That would be great. And maybe more appropriately cast uh, the mother and daughter in terms of age rather than they did in the original production. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I think they're, are they the same age? I, like around the same age? Is the daughter older close. than the mother? I was say, is Liza older? I don't know. It's probably, oh, I no, I don't think so, she's right? older. No, I, I think it's like maybe 10 years at most. Five, 10 it, years, though. but anyway. Oh, I love that show. Yeah, so good. Well, Rob, I will let you go because you have another performance tonight, I assume, of, of the show. and We you, do indeed. Yeah, so I can't tell you how much I appreciate you talking about this right after a rehearsal, and I'm so very excited to see uh, The Baker's Wife coming up. Uh, I don't know what day it is, but in March. Um, I'm super excited to finally be able to see it and all the work that you're putting into J2. Oh, Matt, thank you so much. And I cannot tell you how much we appreciate all of your support. And thank you so much for all your kind words. And I cannot wait to see you in person. 